Today I have Zach Kenner on and we're talking doll sheep. Information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. Hello and welcome. Thank you everybody for tuning into the podcast. Uh, today I have a friend of mine on, Zach Kinner. Uh, and I don't have him on just because he has the same name as me. I have him on because I feel like he actually knows a thing or two about uh, hunting, backcountry, uh, glassing, photography, types of gear, and all sorts of other stuff. So Zach, thanks for taking the time out and hopping on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I only came on because you have the same name as me, but, you know, just here or there. Well, that's good. At least we're all <laughs> in the same boat. <laughs> oh, no, man. But seriously, I, uh, you know, obviously you've been on a few times, and um, I, uh, I, I reached out and you were more than willing to do a podcast. So today I'm, I'm excited to just talk about doll sheep with you and maybe some of the gear that you take. Um, what a, what a typical doll sheep hunt kind of looks like, maybe how you prepare, um, just kind of A to Z doll sheep, uh, in a, like, you know, 45 minute to an hour long window. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll talk really fast. Okay, good. uh, Go, go, go. No. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, in the grand scheme of things, I'm still fairly new to like, you know, this sheep hunting thing. And then we've really only been hunting doll sheep for three seasons now. Um, but I definitely, I feel like I've got my money's worth out of those three seasons. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's something that just sheep in general is something I kind of fell in love with, you know, on a couple like bighorn hunts down on the lower 48, you know, and, and, they weren't my tags, of course, because the odds are so horrible on getting a tag that when somebody you know draws a tag, you go, right? It's, right. It's, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you go because it's just so rare and, and, and it's really something cool to be a part of. And so, yeah, anyways, I finally made the move to Alaska and decided to, you know, create my own sheep tag, so to speak, because, you know, residents up here, we can hunt over the counter and uh that's so crazy to think i I mean like really like that's just nuts because just like you said right everybody here in the states lower states i guess is it's such a waiting game or a money game those those are your two options so it's crazy to see i bought it over the fuck i mean heck <laughs> but to say it's a waiting game really isn't correct either because the odds are nor well the odds pretty much are less than one percent that you'll ever draw a tag right so to say it's a waiting game still isn't even right because you may never draw a tag in your, in your entire life so that's that's why i moved right. in fact it was right. literally that statistic right there the, the fact that i may never draw a sheep tag in the lower 48 so that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm moving, you know I mean? With you put in one year to gain your residency so that you can hunt and then you get a sheep tag every year. So, so far, I mean, until they go and change some regulations, which I don't see them doing because they're managed pretty well up here um, to the fact that for a, for it to be a legal Ram, it has to be full curl eight years old or double broomed. Um, okay. I should say, I should say full core, full curl, or eight years old, or double broom. So you have three um, parameters, so to speak. And and there are a few tags that you can get that are any RAM, but they're 
like some archery tags and stuff, some draw stuff. But for the most part, that's a that's your over the counter tag is um, for a ram to be legal. So, and what's happening is, you know, you'll find uh, we have found deadheads, you know, at nine, ten, eleven years old. So we're killing these rams at their kind of their peak, right? I mean you know, within the next year or two, I mean, yeah, sure. There are some Rams that are 13, 14 years old, but for the majority of it, when they hit that eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, they're at the end of their life, you know? And so yeah, yeah. these, these Rams have been breeding for three years already, three, four years already. And, uh, you know, the, the percentage of sheep that we're actually taking out of the herd is non-effective, right? It's, it's not hurting the herd at all. So, and in just to throw out a few statistics here that I've learned, um, I actually really dove into it my first year up here, as you should when you're going into something you've never really done. Um, you know, they, they give out... <laughs> rough... According to who? <laughs> According to me. <laughs> I don't do anything half-assed. Well, that's good. So, like, uh, they have really good information on the Alaska Fishing Game website on all the species and, and statistics to show they, they, they gave out about, for the, on average, they give out about 5,000 sheep tags a year. Uh, and according to hunting reporting that, that you're required to turn in every year, only about half to 2,000 to about 2,500 of those actually hunt. And... Hmm. rough on average somewhere between like five six seven hundred rams depending on the year that's how many rams get killed and that includes some residents and that includes outfitters. okay so so it like when you when you do the math if only like 2500 people actually hunt and say six seven hundred rams are taken you know <laughs> On paper, now this isn't quite accurate, but on paper, you have like a 30% chance of actually killing a ram. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, but that's, that's, but like I said, that doesn't, that's not quite accurate because that does include the outfitters and the non-residents, you know, that are with those outfitters. And so like, you know, the odds of them killing sheep every year are pretty high um, because they're flying out. They're getting into these areas that they, you know, they, they, they know their sheep, um, so when you cut out those and then that's the stat I don't have off the top of my head, but you know, on how many people are left after the outfitters and then how many Rams are taken, you know, it's like, you kind of got to do that math, but right. Right. But anyways, so yeah, so I started hunting, um, three years. It's been, this is, this is my fourth season now. Yes. I killed one my first year, three days into my hunt, uh, Got really lucky, shot a phenomenal ram, and totally just shot him basically from the roads. Uh, driving around, exploring country I've never been in. Spotted one like five, six miles off the road. Had crazy good mass, I could tell, but I could, you know, I didn't know if he was legal. Got in close, and sure enough, he was old enough, and I whacked him. But since then, I haven't killed one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's like when people ask me, you know, as far as like, quote unquote, knowing about sheep hunting and they're like, well, how many rams have you killed? And it's like, well, only one, but that's not fair because I like to let other people shoot sheep. So, you know, like the last few years or the last two years, especially, man, I packed out one, two, three, 
three or four rams okay that weren't my my own you know i was on the hunt so it's like it you know in in a span of three years i've packed out like five rams that's that's pretty good right you know one two hold on one two (laughs) three four five seven two fourteen but you know, more than one a year is, is kind of, you know, so, which is pretty damn good uh, for an over-the-counter, you know, walk-in hunt. You know, I'm not flying in. I'm not using horses. And, um, you know, we're killing rams. So it's 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 been a lot of fun, and, and I've learned a lot. And actually, That's awesome. Part of, the reason I've, part of the reason I've learned so much is actually because of my failure, because of me not being able to notch my tag. I just keep hunting, you know, and I've covered more country. I'm learning new areas. And, uh, you know, like that first year I killed one in three days and I didn't, uh, well, I hunted again the next week and we covered again some more areas, but then we killed one and that was only like a two or three day hunt also. So like in the grand scheme of things, that first year I didn't hunt that much. Uh, whereas these last two seasons, I've almost hunted every day. That was a huntable day. Of right. Season. Right. So, which is like 40, 45 days or something. It's August 10th to September 20th. So. That's yeah, cool. It's, uh, it's, it's been a learning experience for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I could imagine, right? I mean, you go from uh, hunting lots of other species um, to hunting in you know very rugged desolate country not that i mean yeah you can find mule deer and some pretty crazy stuff too uh but uh it just it just seems like a like a different hunt um and and again i've never been on one and and i don't pretend to obviously uh but from reading about them and and things like that or watching hunt videos just it just seems like it has its own aspect to it uh, yeah, I mean, in, in, I don't know, a lot of it's the country, I would say, you know, I mean, you put yourself in a high country mule deer hunt in Western Wyoming, and I still think that, that that hunt in particular rivals it. I, I, I truly do. You know, you get up there in the peaks, 10,000 foot peaks and, and that thin air's kicking your ass. It's, it's, you know, like, like to me still, that's, that's still one of the hardest hunts I've ever done. Right, right. Um, uh, it, but also it's like, you know, the last time I did that, I spent 27 days in there at that elevation. So, it, you know, I, <laughs> that, that was, that was a lot, you know, that's a long uh, time, but I, you know, to counter that this like this last sheep season, I mean, I think I went in five different hunts and, and, you know, I was, I literally hunted and, and hunted and hunted and hunted and hiked and hiked and hiked. And I wish I, this year I'm going to try to keep a little more tally of how far, um, but I know it was over 200 miles for sure. And somewhere between two and 300 miles, I bet, is how far I walked last season in sheep country. Uh-huh. So it's, it's uh, I, I don't know. It, like I said, it's one of those where I, I, I'm super grateful that I was able to cover all that country and see some cool stuff. But at the same time, it's like, man, I wish I could just kill one on day three again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that sounds that sounds fair. Um, with so, you know, when when season is approaching, um, 
and I and there's uh, as you know there's all there's a variety of people that listen to the podcast. So I think it'd be kind of interesting for maybe the one or two listeners that truly do have a hunt like this coming up in the next this year, year after or whatever. Um, I think it'd be interesting to hear uh, you know what what type of things you're doing to prepare and you know, like you just mentioned, you said that that high country hunt in Wyoming rivals it. Well, great. You know, maybe somebody has already been on that type of hunt and it makes it, in my opinion, easier to relate because you can say, hey, yeah, just if you went on that hunt, prepare the same way, you know, but I, I you know, I don't know what you do to prepare. So what, what kind of stuff are you doing to be ready to go hike 300 miles? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, I haven't really changed the way I prepared in the, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, to me, I'm not a guy that spends a lot of time in the gym, but I'm a guy that'll throw 50, 60 pounds on my back and go climb a mountain. Uh, and I think that's the best training you can do. Uh, I, you know, I think to me personally, I think, you know, cardio is more important than muscle strength. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a balance, but it's like, I'd rather go climb that mountain and, pack that weight or go ride a bike, you know, build. I, I just personally tend to have an issue with cardio when I'm on the mountain. Like that's what I notice. I can't catch my breath. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like, to me, that's where I need, that's what I personally have to work on. Um, but no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like, if you've been on, you know, one of those high country hunts, whether it's, you know, Wyoming, Utah, Idaho, man, if you've done that, there's, there's, in fact, I would say I wouldn't, say that this is easier but it's you're not going to be fighting for air it's a lot lower elevation so in that aspect it it's it's uh almost easier um and that's probably why i've done so well here these last you know few years is is because the air is a lot easier to get and so you know that, that you know refueling your muscles muscles with oxygen and you keep going kind of thing right um but yeah, so to me, it's just that weight on your back. You gotta, uh, and that's it. The thing, too, I guess, like you kind of have to mentally prepare for fighting the alders. And, and it's not like that everywhere. Like you know, you go with an outfitter, you go with an outfitter, and you end up in the Brooks Range. It's there's not a lot of alders up there. You're not gonna fight as much brush. Um, but you know, you end up in some of the Alaska Range or even the Chugach. Like you're gonna. Ex- expect to fight some alders and uh that is mentally draining i can tell you for sure right uh, and I, I i definitely fight more alders than the average joe because i'm walking in only right i mean you, when you're doing these flying hunts a lot of times you can land up high and a, a lot of times you're above them sometimes you're landing on riverbeds though and and you are going to fight alders you know halfway up that mountain so it kind of just depends, but the, the, the alders and the brush is very frustrating. Um, your gun catches on every stupid branch. That, <laughs> and, and then it sounds the, frustrating. <laughs> the, the last, last year we ended up, um, <laughs> getting, uh, uh, a bonus round and ended up running into like seven different hornets nests in one day. <laughs> Oh my goodness! In fact, like potentially a can of raid is going in with us this year. 
There you go. I mean, if nothing else, you can hold the lighter up in front of it and burn them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's like sheep hunting. You're so weight conscious. And here we are packing in a can of Raid. Yeah. I, actually, you know, and that, that brings up kind of the next point I wanted to touch on was uh, the difference in your gear list, uh, you know, from from hunting the lower states or going on an elk pack trip or mule deer, whatever, uh, you know, and, and what if you're, I don't know, maybe you're taking the same kind of stuff. I don't know. So, you know, what, what does your gear list look like now and in what ways has it changed, if any? Um, so not, not the biggest thing for sure is I pack the best rain gear I can buy right now. Um, which like, if I'm going to go and, you know, do a, uh, Western hunt, you know, for deer or elk, that's one thing that I, I would pack like, you know, lightweight to medium rain gear. And, you know, it's like to kind of get you through that, you know, storm that blows over kind of thing where up here it could literally rain for four or five days straight. And, you know, being dry is, I want to say it's important, but it seems like no matter what, when it rains that much, you're just going to get wet. <laughs> but, but you still, it's like, you, I still pack the best rain gear I can buy to try to keep me as dry as long as I can. Um, but th- that's probably the biggest thing. Other than that, man, it's it's all the same. You know I mean? Yeah. A, back, a backcountry hunt's a backcountry hunt. You're going to pack light. Um, but like i i would well my tent i i uh i used to run one of those one-man kuyu tents that you use the i don't remember the name of it but that you use the trekking pole to to hold up the middle Uh uh-huh and um like that thing was super nice when i when i deer hunted because it could i could set it up in a deer bed on the side of a mount uh gotcha but up here with the wind, because, you, you know, you, a lot of times you're really exposed to the weather and conditions. It's like I don't really trust it in the wind. So I, okay. bumped, up, I bumped up to a mountain star. You know, they call it a two-man, but really it's like a glorified one in gear, um, which I, I really like having that extra space in there for when you do end up having to stay in that tent for more than a day at a time. You know I mean? Like you're, you're socked in with weather. And so it's nice to be able to wiggle around a little bit and and have your stuff in there to keep it dry, you know, and it's, and I, I had it in the the nastiest wind that I've personally been in last year on top of a mountain. And, uh, you know, the kind of wind where it blows that tent flat on your face. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what it was blowing. I I mean, record (laughs) reports that we got afterwards was somewhere between 50 and 70 miles an hour. Um, and, it was it was a long night. I mean, that's plenty. That. Yeah, <laughs> it, it had sustained thirty mile an hour winds all day while we hiked in there, and then uh, we got in this kind of saddle. And what ended up happening was that you know because you want to try to put your tent up, you know, into the wind kind of thing, you know, and but in that saddle, the wind would occasionally start swirling. And it's like, so here we are trying to kind of get a little bit lower on the mountain and stay out of it. And it just creates a tornado in there and would come in. Because that's when that's when the tent would blow flat on my face is when it came in from the side. Yeah. And oh, it was, yeah, it was a long. But the next morning, whoop, tent 
was still popped up. It's like as soon as that gust would would end, it would pop off my face and pop up. So it did well. I, I was I was impressed. Well, that's good. That always sucks when the tent is whacking you in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... So that's that's one thing I do sacrifice a little bit more weight for a little better tent. Um, you know, just because that tent is kind of your lifeline out there. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially because it's, I, I think it's almost a mind shift change or a mind, <laughs> a mindset shift is what I'm trying to get yeah. out of here. Because like you said, right? So you go on a mule deer hunt, uh, especially like that early September time frame, maybe August. You're like, I, I just need a flash pullover basically for waterproof. Right. Um, and you got probably an extremely lightweight shelter because you're probably going to be you know right on the edge of a black timber pocket or something like that and it's going to be covering most of the wind for you um to what you're saying is you're basically living in your rain gear and uh, there's so many trees up there to hide behind (laughs) with your tent that how do you pick one right (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) 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 it's like smaller boulder or bigger boulder which one do we want (laughs) yeah actually a lot of times too it's just just a depression in the ground right it's like oh this spot's five feet lower than the rest of it we're gonna camp right here (laughs) there you go (laughs) but so i i it's probably not fair though like for my perception of a sheep hunt because i'm you know, like a lot of people's perception is, you know, that ultimate Alaska sheep hunt, you're getting flown out into the brooks or in the middle of nowhere, getting dropped off. Well, I'm, I'm still not doing that, right? I'm still hunting from the pickup. So I still kind of have that same mindset as I would in the lower 48, where at the end of the day, if all hell breaks loose, I can be to the pickup probably within a day or a day and a half. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, so whereas, you know, you get dropped off, <laughs> in the literally in the middle of nowhere where there's no road for a hundred miles. It's like, it's eh, truly that, all or that, nothing. That tent is a leaving is even more important. Right. You know, so that's something to consider that, you know, it, like last year we did hike, um, from, we parked a pickup on each side of a mountain range and hiked. I don't know how much total miles, but I think it was like 50 miles crow miles across there. And, um, you know, and we ended up actually doing that. We, we didn't really plan on it, but we parked one there in case of an emergency and we ended up hiking from pickup to pickup. So like, that was kind of an interesting, different situation. Um, but <laughs> it also put us in more of a hellhole cause we had never been off that mountain on that side where that, where our emergency pickup was and we ended up hiking three miles through the nastiest swamp I've ever been in. Yeah, I could imagine that it was uh, was a little rough, you know, because any any type of swamp sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't matter. I mean, even when you have hip waders, swamps suck. Yeah. So I could only imagine standing there thinking, "Well, no matter what, we got to cross this thing." <laughs> like, <laughs> it, dude, it was so awesome because we we got to like we we could we could see the road. You know, and we were we were just right there. I mean, five hundred yards from the pickup or whatever, and we hit this river that we didn't know was there. 
and it wasn't <laughs> it was a, like not your typical alaska river this thing because what it was is it was the cha- main channel in that swamp okay and, and it was like only 12 to 15 feet across uh-huh but over your head deep and it was because it, it was just a channel that went through that right channel. right cut through the middle and, and it was ripping because it because it had been raining for two days, <laughs> and uh, I uh, we uh, like we get to it and we're just right we're just dead to the world after hiking fifty some miles and and ten days and just getting our ass kicked you know and I like as soon as we get to it and I look both ways and you don't understand like like to even hike down that channel a hundred yards was chore because of how thick that swamp was fighting alders and shit and so it was like i just we like look both ways and without even hesitating i'm like looks like we're going swimming like (laughs) we are crossing this river i don't care if i have to go swimming to do it and uh, and so we end up finding a super narrow the narrowest spot we could find like i said within that 100 150 yards and got our packs thrown across it and uh like literally i'm i'm kind of trying to like figure out how am i going to do this am i going to jump as far as i can and because the problem too is it was kind of murky um because it was going so fast it was it was kind of really dark brown and you yeah see the bottom so you didn't know if there were like sticks poking up or whatnot that you didn't want to impale yourself on if you jumped into it and because at some of those spots, especially like that pinch point where we threw our bags, there was a couple alders sticking up through the water. And so right. I was like, no, this is, this is kind of concerning. And Or do you just like try to like jump in on this bank and, and see if you can feel the bottom <laughs> and kind of like push yourself across? Like, you know, I'm literally trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And one of the other one of the other guys that was with us ended up finding like a six inch round log and was able to drop it across that narrow spot, but into the crotch of an alder. And so like, as the farther you went out, the more that alder kind of like was dropping into the water (laughs) and it was super sketchy, but he, but he was, he was also one of the lighter dudes there and just like, got about halfway across it and then like just basically lunged and was able to get able to get through. And so I'll be dipped in shit. We did, we all got across it without actually having to go swimming. And I was kind of bummed about it because I was like, this would have been the most epic story. Had we able to <laughs> actually, and the thing was, though, is it had been pouring rain all day. We've been fighting that, fighting the brush and those alders. Dude, we were already drenched to the bone. Right. My my boots were already going squish squash squish squash. So it's like <laughs> it didn't I wasn't gonna get any more wet by jumping into that river. Right. Right. It just it, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, that, <laughs> you already hit I, the point of no return as far as being yeah. wet. <laughs> and the thing was is the pickup was under five hundred yards away. It's like we're doing this. I don't care. I I I don't care what you guys are doing, I'm doing this. I'm just jumping in. <laughs> Uh, it's all over but the crying yeah Uh, um one piece of gear i was curious about especially when it's raining so much is um is a sleeping bag uh because obviously there's there's certain types of sleeping bag material uh if it gets wet you're pretty well sol uh so i was kind of curious with it raining that kind that that often 
and that amount, what you know, what your sleeping bag was, and and things like that. So I've been using the QU um, zero degree bag, and, or there's, do they even make a zero, or is that a fifteen? I don't remember. It's the warmest one that QU makes. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and actually, they discontinued them, and I think they're revamping them. Uh, but anyways, so I don't know what they're going to have on their website now, but because uh, I've had it for five five years probably um and it is a down treated down it's their super down um that they have in like their puffy jackets and everything else and uh yes i have had it kind of i don't want to call it wet but it's like it it definitely got damp to the point that it wasn't super fluffy anymore Uh uh-huh but you know, I, I was still able to stay warm. Um, but it also dries out pretty quick too. Like, because of it, because it's treated, it isn't actually taking that water in all the way to the bone kind of thing, you know? So, and I've had really good luck with it. Um, but I also do keep that and my spare clothes in a dry bag in my backpack because of the rain. I mean, you just, even with the rain cover on your backpack, you cannot keep your pack dry. It's just, when it pours down rain, just, you just have to learn to live with it. You know, that's it's all there is to it. Sounds like so much fun. Yeah, and it will rain. In fact, it will snow. A lot of times, you know, you'll get a pretty, especially when you're on top of the mountain, you know, you're at the coldest point, and it'll snow. It snows every year in August on me up there. So it's, but yeah, so I... <clears throat> I haven't really used any synthetics. Um, a friend of mine that I hunt with a lot does. He's got one of the Kafaru ones. And, you know, he has he, – he actually bitches a lot that it's too hot for him. You know, it gotcha. does a re- really good job keeping him warm. Um, but, yeah, that, that Kuyu one was just one that I bought even when I hunted even in the lower 48. And it's still just done good enough that I haven't had to change. Um, but, like I said, I am, I am careful with it. Um, I get it in my bag every night. I put on dry socks because it helps, you know, keep my feet warm because uh, my feet sweat anyway. So it's like at the end of the day, no matter what, my feet are going to be wet, whether I've been in the rain or just hiking because my feet sweat. It's just for me. But uh, <laughs> so I, I put on a dry pair of socks, but then I also put in that wet pair of socks, you know, in the bottom of my sleep bag with me so that they're dry in the morning also. Um but yeah, that's, I, as long as you're careful, you know, you can get away with it. And, uh, and that treated down does a good enough job at, at, uh, pushing away the moisture. So I've had good luck with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't used a Kuyu sleeping bag yet. Uh, uh, so I, you know, I can't really speak to that. I have a, um, a big Agnes one yeah. at the moment and a Cedar Summit, um, it's, it's like 28 degree bag though. So I, I usually, I either take that really early season or I will take it and put it inside of my big Agnes for really late season hunts. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it, I mean, it, it's, it's like a pound, you know? Yeah. So adding that to a sleeping bag is, is pretty awesome really for, for the weight, you know? Um, yeah. but anyways, so what, as far as you know, so you've you've obviously been working out and not more more of like uh you know, 
basically the type of workout that you can encounter when you go on the hunt. So backpacking, hiking, and all that good stuff. Um, sounds like you have your gear all dialed in. So what about shooting wise? You know, are you practicing out to 300 yards, out to 800 yards, out to 1200? Are you, you know, what, what type of shot are you kind of hoping for? And what shot do you think that people need to be comfortable with? as far as yardage. So, um, you know, that's like one of the more controversial topics of today. <laughs> but <laughs> what, what I do is I want to be able to hit the bullseye to grant. That's just my personal preference. Right. I mean, in uh, in the heat of battle, if I, you know, if worst comes to worst and I have to make a long shot, I want to be able to. Uh, so I practice, you know, out to a thousand quite regularly. Now, the problem with that when it comes to sheep is, and sheep in particular, <clears throat> is they have to be legal for you to shoot them, right? And mm-hmm. that is that is not necessarily always easy to tell. And uh, in fact, most of the time, it's not easy. It's actually it's very rare for you to just pull up on a ram and be like, you know, at four miles and be like holy crap that thing's legal let's go normally you're oh that one's got some good horn but we got to get in close and uh man the ram i was on last year with my bow i actually took my bow in on a solo hunt for a little bit and um found a ram at a couple miles away and watched him for a long time that evening because i couldn't i couldn't close the gap on him you know in time anyway so i just parked myself there on top of that mountain across from him and figured I'll pick him up in the morning. Well, so I watched him for a long time, got all kinds of good angles, but I still, I'm only like, I think he's legal on his left side. Maybe. <laughs> so the next morning I picked him up, got in and I wasn't able to really tell he was legal till I was, well, I think I was like 500 yards from him and pulled the spotter out again. And, uh, he finally gave me the angle that I could actually count his rings. Gotcha. And so like I could tell already that he was, you know, nine or 10 years old, but I still was not a hundred percent sure that he was full curl. I could just tell that he was old enough. And I mean, I almost think it was the next day that I actually figured out that he was full curl on that left side. But I mean, like right at it. You know, so that's kind of a, just a good example of, and counting rings is something that a lot of guys don't like to do um, because they're because of the opportunity for a false ring, which happens, you know, like, so the, well, to educate you a little bit, those annuli rings, um, what, what happens is after the rut and, you know, basically of malnutrition in the winter, those, you know, those rams, their horns quit growing. And they, you know, they, they, their body goes into conservation mode so that they can survive. And, uh, so when that happens, they kind of shrivel up and because the horns become dormant and quit, quit growing and, uh, it creates an indentation in the horn so that once it, in the spring, when they start to, um, get all that feedback again and their horns start to grow again, it, you know, that's where that ring shows. Okay. Um, so that's how, you know, when I say eight or nine year or eight years old is the legal age, 
you know, you're counting the, those, those rings and, and each ring represents a year. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so, but when, as they get older, those rings get really close together. They don't grow as much, right? They just, they're the first three or four years that, that ram seeing the majority of its growth. And then, uh, you know, shoot sometimes, but that part of that's genetic too, right? I mean, uh, I've seen, I've seen rams that have just as big a ring between four and five as they do seven and eight. You know, okay. Those, those are the giant Booner Crockett type rams. Gotcha. Whereas like, whereas like this ram that I was trying to kill with my bow, you know, his, his eight, nine, ten were like all the same size and they were all only about an inch apart. So you could see at, you know, three, four, 500 yards, that's kind of hard to see, you know? Yeah, no uh, kidding. <laughs> and, and so that's where shooting distance kind of comes into play there where, you know, at the end of the day, you got to make sure he's legal. So, the, you know, best way for a, we'll call it an ethical hunter to do is to get close. You know, you got to get closer and, and double check that. Now, I have had situations where <laughs> we knew we knew the ram was legal and you know ended up shooting one to like 800 yards but you know that's and be, and it was kind of a now or never situation that's obviously not something I want to do right but we had we had a bunch of lambs and <clears throat> blow on us and they were they went over and they were taking those rams out of the country so and we and we were kind of like on our second to last day of the hunt we didn't think we could catch up to him and get out in time and it was like a yeah i mean i know it's capable you know let's shoot him now and so that's what we did and we and we got her you know i mean it was fine but it's like it's not something i want to do every time so you know it's like this year i, I got to within a hundred well at one point i was 107 yards from that ram with my bow and uh it's like it's doable. You can get close. Mm-hmm. You don't have to shoot. You know, you don't have to go shooting those long shots. So, but every situation's different. You know, and it's like we probably wouldn't have shot that ram had we not shot him where he was. So, I mean, I don't know whether that's kind of up to your personal opinion as to whether or not we should have or should not have shot. But um, yeah, so I mean, that's I'm prepared to shoot a thousand, but no, I'd rather shoot him at 300 yards every time. You know? Yeah, of course. Of course, I mean, yeah. There's it's just like just like uh, some people really get excited about getting really close and shooting something with maybe with a stick bow. Um, yeah, obviously oh, there's yeah. the sport of shooting something really far too. I mean, yeah, it, 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 whatever whatever excites somebody. Um, but I could 100 percent understand how that could definitely be challenging to to count the rings and make sure that it is a truly legal ram and all that stuff from the farther away you are. Right. I could just see where that would just prove to be a struggle. That's definitely one of the biggest differences between like hunting these sheep and hunting a mule deer, you know, is, is, (laughs) and then also this is, we always, we talk about this often on the sheep hunts and we're hiking out and we didn't kill one that trip. And it's like, you know the difference between sheep hunting and like mule deer hunting, especially in like Idaho, where you're so frustrated on your way out of a mountain hunt hunting mule deer, and you shoot a two point at the road at the pickup out of frustration. Right? <laughs> like, and there's you can't do that. It's, it's like you you can't shoot the little ones legally. It's like so you 
you end up just being frustrated. <laughs> even yeah. Worse, you know, so that's, that's one of the big differences is, you know, those, those Rams have to be legal. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I could imagine, you know, getting to a checkpoint with a non-legal Ram would just not be a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they definitely throw the book at you up here and, and rightfully so, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with anything that they do on that. So, but it's, it's, it's not that hard. You know, it's like, you just, you got to be patient. I mean, last, I'll, well, for example, last year, I, I, uh, I let a Ram block that, oh man, I wanted, he, some people, I bet you somebody else probably would have shot that Ram. He was like right at full curl and he was only seven years old. But when you actually came up on the herd, he looked the biggest and looked the nicest. But the Ram, we actually shot his buddy standing next to him who was nine years old and three quarter curl, huh. not full curl, you know, genetics, he, right. He right. An older Ram. And, uh, but the other one probably scored more. Like it was probably a bigger sheep, huh. but I, man, I tried hard and we, at one point we had him at 300 yards and I'm just, and I'm, I like, I kept calling him off. I'm like, don't shoot him. Don't shoot him. Like nah, the, the legal one, you know, uh-huh. I, I was, I was trying to make that that other one legal so we could double. Gotcha. And, uh, and I was, was kind of holding them off, holding them off, and then finally at the last second, I'm like, "All right, just shoot him." <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> no, he's not legal. Like I, as much as I want him to be, he's just not there. Or if he was, he was too close to pull the trigger on. You know, yeah. he could have went either way, and that's not worth it. Right. You know? So. No, and that never is. And then you got the whole hike out to think about it. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and and it just it's not fun. <laughs> but it's it's crazy though, right? It's like here we shot a ram that was the second biggest ram in the herd. Mm-hmm. Because he was legal and that other one wasn't. That's you know, crazy so. to think. You know? Yeah. It it reminds me of like because I go film one of the places I filmed that is the Deseret Ranch and they have a uh, a very strict um, age limit on their deer, so the guides have to know really what they're looking for. And uh, I was talking to one of the guides about hit, uh, you know, about the the age limit and everything, and he was like, "Man, we we could get in a lot of trouble if we have somebody shoot something and and it shows up here and it's four and a half or whatever." And and I, I, that's the only time I could equate to what you're talking about because you're looking at two animals, and most of the time when you hunt, you, you look at two animals and you you I mean you see two deer together right and you're like mm, that bigger one's probably older shoot it yeah you right, know exactly. uh, unless the other one has just got insane mass or you know something that really jumps out at you. Most of the time, you're looking at that, those two stand up, and you're like, oh, that, that bigger one is the one I want to shoot, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I, it just, I agree. That would be kind of a, a whole different concept where it's like, eh, you just you can't shoot that one. It's not legal. You'll, you'll go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do <Yeah>. it. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. crazy. So that, that, that is definitely a big difference. Um, but it's still, I mean... Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm addicted. That's cool, man. So why don't why don't you uh, <clears throat> I don't know why don't why don't we kind of end the episode? I, well, first, I guess before we do end the episode, I would like to talk a little bit about kind of the strategies of hunting the sheep. I mean, 
is it is it true to the the nature of it where you literally sit down and glass until your eyes bleed or is it like oh look there's some white dots over there let's get closer so we can see what they are like what 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 does it actually consist of when you're actually out there doing it so the best way i can describe it is you hike to the top of the tallest mountain i mean you don't have to but it's you know just like in general it's like you hop you hike to the top and look over the other side and you look for white dots and when you don't see any white dots you hike down the mountain and up the next mountain and get to the top and look for white dots. And you just keep doing that until you finally run into them. <laughs> oh, that sounds so crazy. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I say that and it's like, I have had some sheep where it was like, holy shit, where did those come from? Because I was just looking there. Right. But for, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, they're white sheep on a green blanket or black rock. Like, they're not super hard to spot. Um, so, you know, you sit down you glass real quick, look around. If you don't see anything, I keep moving, you know? Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, once again, I've never done it, but all the videos I've seen, it's like, look at the white dots, <laughs> Yeah, you know, unlike anything, right. Any animal they're in the folds of the land. So there, you could look there and there'd be nothing. Then all of a sudden, bam, look, there's some, I, I get that too, obviously, but yeah. But to an extent, it's like there's this very, it seems like gray and lush green and then white dots. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. I mean, you can see sheep, no joke, you know, 10 miles away it's through binoculars. It's right. Rain, right. And there's no clouds, you know, I mean, Jeez. You, you, you can see them. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I've said that before. I, I think it's, you know, on that note, it's easier to hunt sheep because you can see them. Right. I mean, it, but. I've learned the, like the last couple of years, well, especially last year, I covered so much country and I saw actually a lot of Rams. I probably saw seven or eight, seven, eight, seven year old Rams or sub legals that were like, you know, one year away from being legal. And, um, that was kind of a tough bullet to bite, but it's like, it is what it is. I mean, we, we still shot one, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, which, I could have shot it, you know, I mean, I, it was one of those things where I just, uh, that ram meant more to, to my buddy than it did to me kind of thing. Yeah, and I get that. So I, so I let him shoot it, you know, yep. I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't bigger than my first ram and it was definitely bigger than his first ram, you know? So it's like, you know, and you just never know, like that could have, could be his last ram, you know, you just, so it's like, eh, you know, I mean, it, I got to be there, got to film it, help pack it out. You know, I mean, it's all part of it. And then, well, and also for me, it's like I'm, I do my own taxidermy and stuff on the side. And so it's like, I'm going to make a replica of that, of those horns and also have the set in my house, you know, to, to, cause it's, it's at the end of the day, when you're on these sheep hunts, it's, it's our Ram. It's not my Ram. It's not your Ram. It's our Ram. Right. You know, you pull the trigger, sure, but you know that's it's a team you effort. Put in that much effort, yeah. It, you, literally, the only difference was is you pulled the trigger, I didn't. As far as the hunt goes, like we did, we went through the same freaking swamp, the same shit, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, you know, there's just I don't know. That, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. So 
you know, I, I do want to kind of end the podcast with maybe, maybe a story of one of your hunts. Uh, but just before that, if you could give somebody that is about to go on their first sheep hunt, uh, like uh, a, a very solid piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, um, man. Uh, I, I mean, like two things, I guess. It's like, be prepared to walk a long ways. That's no joke. But a, a lot of what's challenging to me, I catch myself, you know, thinking about it a lot on the mountain, especially is, is, is mental. Right. I mean, I get frustrated because it's like, especially last season where we were seeing so many rams, just not legal ones, you know. And so you kind of got to go in with the mindset of of like legitimately you might not kill one. Right. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I don't know, especially if you're going on a guided hunt. It's like, oh, you know, it's like you feel like it's in the bag more or less. But it's not. Let me tell you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's tough. It, 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 well, it I is. It's got to be right. I mean, let's be honest. You're not. You're not going up there. At least I don't view a sheep hunt as I'm going up there because I want this to be easy. I don't. Yeah. I, I when yeah. I think of a sheep hunt, I'm like. I want this to be a grind. I want it to be hard. And above all, after I'm successful, I want to look back and say, I earned it. Yeah. You know, and and, and that's that like, don't, I don't want you or anybody else take that the wrong way. Now, if I was on a sheep hunt and I saw a sheep off the road that was legal, I would shoot it too. I'm not that naive. (laughs) I'm not that stupid. Right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pass something like that up because I know as well as you do that if you pass up a legal ram, you might not see another legal ram. Yep. So, um, but I, I think, I think when somebody is thinking of going on a sheep hunt, I think that that they're kind of in their mind, this is going to be. I, I, I'm hoping this is hard. Yeah. Cause I, no, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's people out there that are like, "I'm going to pay for this sheep hunt, and it's going to be easy." I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't. You just got to like. All I can say is just be prepared to be mentally tough. Be prepared to be in your tent for days without being able to see a hundred yards. Right. Um, like the weather is a huge part of your hunt up here. And it definitely makes or breaks them, you know, and, and there's, that's, what's hard probably to me is because it's out of my control. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, that's, it's, it's, uh, it's one thing to handle things that you can control, uh, but handling things that you can't, it, it's, it adds a lot to it. And, it's, and, and I think it's just a lot more challenging. Yeah. That's, that, that's, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is it's, is to just, you be prepared to be mentally tough because that's what it takes. Yep. Well, sweet man. Well, why don't you maybe maybe finish up one of your archery stories or? No, I, so I got I got a story. For okay, you. I'm on ready that, for on, it. On that ram that we killed this year, um, it's actually I'll, it's a pretty cool story. So 
I've kind of mentioned throughout this podcast, you know, on some of these sheep. And so like the second sheep that I was a part of, uh, you know, like I, boom, I shot mine three days into mine, got back to town, took care of it three days later or six. Well, yeah, three days later, me and my buddy went out again looking for him to get his first sheep. And long story short, well, we went, we went back to where I shot mine because I saw another Ram that I was pretty sure was going to be legal and what we just talked about socked in raining and, and, and fog couldn't see anything. And we waited for a day, couldn't see anything, waited that next morning. And I picked him up for like five seconds actually. And, uh, couldn't tell if he was legal and the fog rolled back in so heavy. He couldn't see a hundred feet. And Jeez. it was like, okay. Like, um, and, uh, so we, head up the road, get phone service. And I look at the map and I'm like, okay, where is it not raining in the state of Alaska? Cause that's where we're driving to. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so due to my e-scouting, cause like I said, I researched a lot that first year. Um, I was like, all right, it's not raining over here. We're going to drive literally halfway across the state. And which is, you know, it, it, when, in terms of Alaska, it's like all day. <laughs> so we drove for like 14 hours and uh, ended up at this other spot right at dark. And sure enough, I picked up a herd of rams. Um, three of them had potential to be legal. Like, I, I mean, it was so far away that, that I'm just looking at, like, grains of darkness on top of their head, right? Like, right, right. It's so, it's so grainy. It's so far away, <clears throat> so low light. So I'm like, all right, we're going to sleep here, get up in the morning, go in there. So... Long story short, we go in there, and that was the ram we ended up shooting at like 800 yards, and um, it was <laughs> it was what they call a squeaker ram. It was very small. It was seven years old, but bare, but at like an inch and a half past full curl, so it was <laughs> legal, right? Uh, but as far as score goes and whatnot, I mean, it's like the smallest ram, smallest legal ram you could kill, kind of thing. And um, so we fast forward a couple of years. Um, we went in there. Well, actually, no. So so the next year, we went back in there looking for one of the rams that we saw the year before that was with his ram that we shot and uh, expecting it to be legal. Um, we found, we ended up finding those sheep. We got in on them. And at 300 yards, we spent three hours trying to make this ram legal. <laughs> and we knew he wasn't full curl, so it was just a matter of aging him. Right. And, I was pretty sure he was eight. My buddy was pretty sure he was seven. At the end of the day, he's seven or eight, and he's only three-quarter curl. So it's like, it's it's not your gambling, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And so we didn't shoot him. You know, we left. And uh, so the next year, this year, you know, we went, went back in there. And actually... Actually, we separated um, for opening week. I was on a different hunt, but he went back in that spot trying to find that ram and never saw a sheep, never saw it. the lambs and ewes in there, never saw nothing. And I think the lambs and ewes uh, had some winter kill in there. Gotcha. But anyways, uh, anyways, later on in the season, I, uh, I end up going by that spot and sure as shit pick up the herd of rams, you know, and I, I couldn't you know so far away like i said that i could tell they were sheep and i could tell they had a horn on their head right but i i could count there was seven of them 
And so I'm like, that is definitely the herd of rams. So I call my buddy up and I'm like, all right, I got, I got, a, I had a bunch of stuff in my pickup. I had to go all the way back down to main town. And, and, um, I was like, I gotta, I can't leave my pickup here on the side of the road. Cause if it gets broke into and shit stolen, I, I, I can't, I had a bunch of like client stuff with me. So yeah, once I drive, <laughs> I drive all night to get to him. <laughs> we load up in his pickup with, with a four wheeler drive back and we are back to the spot at daylight holy crap and uh so sure enough we head in there get in on them and so last year that ram that we let walk had a giant scar on his nose like the bridge of his nose Uh uh-huh you know and so because we're so creative we called him scarface (laughs) and uh (laughs) And so sure as shit, dude, I'm not kidding. We got a thousand yards from those Rams that morning and picked up Scarface. And it was like, holy shit, there he is. And, uh, but like I was saying, the Ram next to him looked bigger. And, uh, but so we got pinned down, had to wait for him to get up that evening. And, uh, they walked close enough. And so it's like, yup. So this year for sure, he was eight or nine, right? I was pretty sure he was nine. My buddy's like, well, either way, he's eight for sure now. And, but still, he was only three quarter curl. I mean, like I said, he only grew an inch, you know, on his base. So, yeah, we uh, tried to make that other one legal. It didn't work out. And so I, I ended up letting him shoot Scarface. But it's pretty rare to have a three year um, story with one Ram anymore. You know, I mean, it, it, like, that was pretty cool. The fact that, cause he was standing next to my buddy's first Ram that we shot out of that herd. <clears throat> and I have, I have, I have video of it. Yeah. So yeah. Definitely. So it's like, it's pretty cool to, to have three years, the same Ram and, and have that storyline. Heck yeah. Uh, That's super cool. Well, next year you go back in and you can shoot that bigger one. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, there's, there's <laughs> going to be two legal Rams in there next year. There you go. Uh, you know, I know this guy in Wyoming that'd probably go with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I like he he has a pretty good, pretty decent name too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, but you know, I mean, the only way we could make that legal is if like we got married or something, because then you'd be next to kin and you could actually shoot one. Well, my wife is from Alaska, so does that count? Mm, can i use her dad yeah actually you could is her dad up here yeah yeah because her yes her dad could go and because it would be yeah i think well i know it at least counts as a (laughs) brother-in-law so i would think that a son-in-law would actually still be that's like the that's the last seed i think that's That's as far out as we can get it Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is actually, man. Huh. I, I think it is. I'll have to check it out. Check out more into it. It'd probably be a lot more likely for her to go, but that's okay. I'd just go with, you know. I don't. Yeah. I'd be pretty wicked to be there when she shot a sheep. Pretty awesome. Dude, you've had this in your back pocket the whole time, and you haven't acted on it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Call me. I might be. I might be part loser. 
Well, so here's the way I look at it, because I still think that I'm a non-resident, even though I'm not, uh, <laughs> is I look at that sheep as, you know, a twenty five, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 bonus. 